this was a, probably three, four, maybe five years ago, um, I went on a camping trip with a, a bunch of guys. There's probably 12 or 13 of us guys. It was actually for a bachelor party for one of our friends. Um, Keaton was on the trip with me. Um, he knows what story I'm about to tell because there's only one thing that happened that trip that was memorable. Um, and so we were going out to, for this bachelor party. Um, you know, we're going to do a bunch of guy things. And so one of the things we, did, we decided we we're going to do is we're going to go shoot guns. Guns are really fun. And, you know, a lot of guys that went on the trip had a lot of guns. And so uh, we woke up in the morning, the first morning we were there, and we headed out to this spot, probably a mile and a half from our campsite, where this big hill was. Um, it, it, you know, it was like almost a mountain. It was a really big hill. Um, and there was just, it was just kind of this forested area. And we decided, okay, this is perfect, the perfect spot to, you know, you have a backstop to shoot against. And so we, we set up and got all the guns out of the car, and um, we started shooting some clays and set up some targets, and we shot the targets. And eventually, there's this guy there I didn't really know uh, super well, um, but he pulls this really huge gun out of his car. And I was like, what is that? That, that thing looks awesome. It's like, this, dude, this is a 50 cal, and I have tracer rounds. And I'm like, sweet, what's, what's a tracer round? And essentially, he's like, well, it's just a big gun with a bullet that catches on fire. And I was like, we're definitely going to shoot this. And so uh, we were kind of split half and half. Half the guys were like, this is not a good idea. We should not be shooting this in here. Uh, all the cool guys like me were like, we have got to shoot this gun, see what it does. Um, and so he sets up, throws the bullet in there, and shoots it. And almost immediately, I know that this was a, a pretty big mistake, because um, it looks like a lightning bolt shoots out of his gun. And he shoots high, and it just hits this, the hill that we're shooting against. You know couple hundred yards away. And immediately, like, like four or five guys just start running towards it. And I was kind of like, well, someone needs to protect the cars, so I'm going to stay here. <laughs> and and uh, so those guys go off, and about a minute later, we hear someone yell, fire, fire. And so uh, the rest of the guys that were there, except for me, because I was protecting the cars, um, they grabbed as many water bottles as they, as they could, and they just took off running. And apparently, I wasn't there, I was protecting the cars, but apparently a, a small little fire had started, you know, almost like campfire size, knee high. And uh, by the time they got there with the water bottles, they'd pretty much stomped it out. They poured water on it, um, and it was good to go. And, and they, at that point, we were kind of like, okay, we're probably done. Like, we'll, we'll just pack up, we'll go back to the campsite, we'll hang out for a bit. And so we head back to the campsite. We have some lunch, we play some spike ball, having a good time, and we decide, man, it would be awesome to go on a hike. So we start getting all our gear together to go on a hike, and we start hopping in a car, and the, the guy I'm hopping in the car with starts to say, it kind of smells like smoke, doesn't it? And then the car in front of us, I hear them say, oh no, there's smoke. And they just take off, and they like, just gun it, they go. And we're in the sec I'm in the second car, and I'm convincing everyone in the car, like, you know what, this is probably just an, like a campsite. They've built a fire, and they're just having their fire. Like, that's, that's what's happening. And so we, we head off in the same direction that we were before. Um, and we pull up to, like, the back of the hill from where we were shooting, because uh, it was just quicker to, to pull up to the back. 
and we get out and we run to the top of this hill. And I remember, it was almost like a movie, we come to the top of this hill, and I kid you not, it was the biggest fire I'd ever seen in my entire life, as big as this room. Um, trees were on fire, bushes were on fire, everything was on, fi everything was on fire. And the first thought that went through my head was, we're all going to jail. <laughs> um, this last few weeks, we've been going through the book of Colossians, uh, which, interestingly enough, was written from a jail cell. Uh, Paul, who is writing this small church in Colossae, um, he, for the last three chapters, has been writing from jail and trying to get these people to understand something. He's been trying to get these people to understand that Jesus is all you need. That Jesus is all-sufficient. That, that true life is found in Jesus. And that when we plant our lives in him, it grows into something beautiful. And so we get to uh, chapter 4, and something sort of shifts here. Something sort of happens, and I kind of love what happens here is Paul begins to back up what he's saying. He begins, he begins to back up his words with with a little bit of action here. Uh, and so that's where we're going to start today, in chapter 4. Um, and I think we have the slide. All right, Colossians chapter 4. It starts, it says, Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Now here's the point where I'm thinking, okay, Paul, he's in jail. He's giving these guys advice. He's like, look, you want to devote yourself to prayer. This is going to be part of your life, that you want to communicate with God. And he says, but I also want you to pray for us. And, of course, if I'm writing this letter, the thing I'm thinking is, okay, if I'm asking for prayer, I'm in jail, what am I going to ask for prayer for? Would you pray that I would get out of here, right? Would you pray that I could... I'm like starving in here. It's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. It's really, really bad. The circumstances are horrible. Please pray that we would get out of here. And he says this instead. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So we get to the top of the hill, and we're looking at this fire, and I, I think we're all going to jail. And then we kind of look at each other, and it's like, all of a sudden, go time. And you've never seen, I promise you, you've never seen 12, 13 guys work as hard as we did for the next hour and a half. I mean, it was like full out. The only thing we were thinking about is how are we going to put out this fire? Our full focus, our full attention, our our full effort was going towards this one thing. We have got to put this fire out. I wasn't thinking any longer about how I'd gotten like a really bad sleep the night before because we were camping and no one sleeps good camping. I wasn't thinking about how like, oh man, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? I wasn't thinking about like, oh, when I get home, you know, I'm, I have all these chores to do. I'm going to have to take care of all this stuff. Or I wasn't thinking about anything except for this one thing. And there wasn't this... This, okay, you know what? We should come back and take care of this later. 
Like, I don't know if anyone else has been part of a fire. Hopefully not. But <laughs> when a fire happens, there's no part of you that says, we can come back and take care of this later. There's just this urgency behind it. Like, we have got to do this now or it's going to get out of control. There's this urgency that we had. We were just on a mission. And I feel like Paul has this same urgency when it comes to, to sharing Christ with others. He's in prison. He's got horrible, horrible things happening to him. He's being beaten. He's being tortured. I mean, terrible things happening to him. And when he asks for prayer, he asks, you know what, it's like he doesn't even see the circumstances around him. It's like he doesn't see all the peripheral stuff. What he sees is, i got to go share Jesus. It, do, it doesn't matter if I am at home, comfortable in, in my own spot, or if I'm here in jail. I'm going to use whatever opportunity I have to share Jesus. He's so focused. He's so on mission. He's so just zoned in, tunnel vision. It's all about Jesus. His eternal purpose overshadows his temporary circumstances here. He realizes, I have this eternal purpose. This eternal purpose to share Jesus with other people. And it's going to have an eternal effect forever and ever. And so th these temporary circumstances that are happening in my life, they don't bother me so much. They, they just kind of become peripheral. And I wonder, why don't I have that same sense of urgency when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. You know, it's like, for me, in order for me to even spend time with Jesus, everything's got to be taken care of. You know, I've got to already taken care of the trash and mowed the lawn and done all the things. And, you know, as long as I'm not tired also, then that's when I'll spend time with Jesus. But for Paul, it's like, I don't care what's going on. I don't care if I haven't slept in a week. I'm still going to spend time with Jesus, and I'm still going to tell other people about Jesus. Paul li lives life in a different way because he has found something that's worth everything. He's, he's living life like he's on a mission. He continues on, and he says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So now he's saying, okay, pray for me that I could, I could share Jesus with the prison guards, with whoever, anyone I come in contact with, that's who I want to share Jesus with. And then he says, but you guys also. This, this church that he's talking to, he says, you guys, be wise about how you're using your time. Other versions will say, that, that part that says, make the most of oppor every opportunity, it'll say, buy up every opportunity that you can. This idea of purchasing every moment with people that you can. It's so valuable, you purchase it and use it for God's glory. He continues on, he says, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is clearly on a mission, and he's now calling the Colossians, and in a sense he's calling us as a church to be part of that mission with him. And so uh, I, I, when I start talking about being on mission, I, I begin to think of like mission trips, short-term mission trips, and probably a few of you have been on a mission trip somewhere. 
Um, and I've been on a couple mission trips, and, and something that's really special about mission trips is that you wake up in the morning with a purpose. Like, you wake up in the morning knowing, I'm going to do something important today. I'm going to spend today, I'm going to spend today doing something with Jesus. You usually wake up in the morning and you spend time in prayer on a mission trip because you, you feel like, gosh, I need, I need God. If I'm going to go out and, and share and um, help and do whatever I'm doing on this mission trip, I'm going to need Jesus with me. I think what's interesting is that why don't we take that same attitude with the rest of our life? Do we wake up on Monday before work thinking like, okay, I'm going to do something important today. I have a purpose today. And that purpose is Jesus. I, uh, I don't know if this was just my elementary school, if this was everyone, but recess was like a really big deal in elementary school. Uh, in fourth grade, I remember we just moved to California, and they would like, I don't know why they did this, this seems dangerous, but they would line us up before recess and then like blow a whistle, like, okay, now you can go. <laughs> I don't know if the teacher's like watching it or what it was, but it, was, it became a stampede. It was like you ran as hard as you could. I went straight for the wall ball court because I ran that wall ball court. And like if you fell during that like first 10 second period, like I'm sorry, Becky, we're going to have to step on you. Like no one's going to help you. We're going. Because here's the deal is we knew, even as little kids, we knew, okay, this time we have is precious. We only have 30 minutes, 30 minutes. I gotta make the most, I'm gonna sprint to where I'm going because I wanna make the most of my time. I wanna make the most of my recess. And, and I feel like so often with life, we don't take that approach of, man, I wanna make the most of every day, the most of every interaction I have. So often we're just trying to pass the time, we're just trying to get by. Um, and I think, what is it that's so difficult about sharing Jesus with others? What's, what, what is it that's so hard about it? Why do so many of us avoid it? And I think the problem is so many of us in our head have this picture of what it means to evangelize or uh, to share Jesus. And we have this picture of the guy who maybe knocks on your front door or the guy who, you know, on a college campus has a little booklet and he comes up to you and says, you know, hey, uh, if you were to die today, do you know what would happen? Or he says, you know that Jesus died for all your sins and, and you can be forgiven. And, and we, in our head, I feel like we picture this life on mission as like this weird thing that only some people do. And I don't want to knock down like the people that do that because lives have been changed by people that have done that. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to knock those things of like the random evangelism to strangers because I know that people's lives have been changed. I know people whose lives have been changed because someone just walked up randomly one day and said something like that. But that's only one color in the box of crayons. There's, that, that, that's one little picture of what it means to share Jesus. We ought to be sharing Jesus with our entire lives. There's this book I've been reading called Everyday Church um, and it says this, it's not simply that ordinary Christians live good lives that enable them to invite friends to evangelistic events. Our lives are the evangelistic events. Mission, 
should be the way we live, not something we add on to life. See, evangelism is not something we do. It's, it's a lifestyle that we live. And so how do we do it? What's, what does it mean to live a life on mission? I think there's a, a couple things that I'm going to go through real quick, um, a couple points that I have. The first is what Paul mentions. He says, devote yourself to prayer. Do we pray like the God of the universe who created everything is listening and is going to respond to us? Do we pray like, like we have direct access to God and that the all-powerful being who's, who has knit everything together is listening? Do we pray like we really believe there's power in it? Or do we just like kind of pray sometimes because we feel like we're supposed to? I think if we really knew the power we had in prayer, we would be praying in a completely different way. And that's where the power is in, in sharing Jesus with others. No one has come to Jesus without someone praying for them. I promise you, if, even if you think that you went in a Bible and found him on your own, or whatever it may be, there was someone that prayed for you along the way. Someone that wanted you, you to come into relationship with Jesus and prayed for that to happen. There's a guy at a church, an older, older guy that I know pretty well, and uh, he has one by one, he, he had this list of his family. He, he says, one by one, I, was just, I would pray that they would all come to know Jesus. And he says, one by one, they did. Over the last 30, 40 years, Almost everyone on that list has come to know Jesus. There's power in prayer. Number two, in order to introduce others to Jesus, we have to know Jesus ourselves. And this, you, you might be sitting here, and you might be someone who uh, doesn't really know what they believe about Jesus. Maybe you're like, I don't really think I believe in God, or I don't really know if I believe in Jesus. Um, and that's okay. And I... I encourage you to be honest about that because I would much, we would much rather at this church be honest about where we are than fake being something we're not. And so it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to not be sure. Um, the one thing I would say is I would wrestle with it. I would wrestle with God a little bit. I would try to figure out what I believe because if, if this Bible is true. If there is a God and he did send his son Jesus to die for us, this is the most important thing that we'll ever talk about. This is the most important thing that could happen in any of our lives. That there's a God who loves us and cares for us and he created us and there's an eternity awaiting us. So I think there's so many people who are kind of okay with being in this. I don't know what I believe in and I don't really need to look into it, but I would say, wrestle. Just wrestle with what you believe. If you, if you don't believe, that is, that's okay, but, but I would almost rather you figure out if you believe or not, or if you um, want to be part of, you know, whatever, a church or not, rather than just kind of float in the middle and say, I'm not ever going to look into it. I'm just going to kind of go on the way I'm going. So we need to know Jesus in order to introduce others to Jesus. You can't take someone 
to a place you haven't been. Um, I know that my wife, she's a therapist, and that's like one of the things that they talk about is like all of the therapists are supposed to go get therapy to kind of like figure out their emotions and figure out the things and because they want to be able to go to these deep places themselves in order to take others there. And so if, if we haven't ourselves figured out our relationship with Jesus, if we ourselves haven't wrestled with God, how are we ever going to bring anyone else into that? How are we ever going to bring anyone else along? Um, number three, we need to know how our story intersects with what Jesus did for us. This is pretty simple, but how did, how did Jesus change my life? I think a lot of us would say, yeah, you know, I believe in Jesus, and he's changed my life. Well, how? What has changed? What, what's different? If you can verbalize that, if you can talk about that, that's powerful. Number four, we need to know others' stories. Um, I think we, we think that sharing Jesus, evangelism, is like this class presentation. Like we're doing a presentation on Jesus, and so I need to have a PowerPoint ready and maybe some note cards, and I'll just like give the presentation and see what they think. And that's not really the way it's, it, it works. We need to be good listeners. We need to know other people's stories before we, we offer any sort of hope. Before we, what are we offering hope to? What are the things that you struggle with? What are the, where do you put your identity in? What are the things? We need to know other people's stories. That means our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. We need to get to know them as people, care about them as people. We need to, number five, we need to genuinely love. This is not about checking things off a box. This is not about, you know, oh man, if I could get this many people to say yes to Jesus, God's going to think I'm pretty awesome. It's, God loves you just as you are. You're not going to earn anything by bringing anyone to Jesus. It's about actually loving people. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how if we have the gift of prophecy or we can fathom all mysteries or if we have faith that can move mountains but we don't have love, we have nothing. If you, can give, if you give all your money to the poor, you give your body over to hardships that you may boast, but you don't have love, you have nothing. That's what the Bible says. Without love, we're, we're broke. We're bankrupt. So we need to genuinely love other people in a way that's self-sacrificing, in a way that says, I love you, and God loves you, and I would lay down my life for you. Number six, we need to actually speak the gospel. I know there's a, this quote that is pretty popular. It's, it's preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And I, it's a good quote. I get the point of the quote. The, the quote is meant like, okay, you need to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk, right? Like, yeah, your life should be a message to everyone. That's kind of what we were just talking about. Yeah, you do need to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. But I think what's happened is so many people have taken that and said, well, preach the gospel at all times, and hopefully never, I'll never have to use words. See, you can love someone and care for them, but the fact is, at some point, they need to hear the words that Jesus loves them. 
you're not going to be holding the door open for someone one day, and they walk through, and they're like, thank you for that. And now I've just come to the realization that there's a God, and he loves me, <laughs> and that he sent his son to die. For, like, like, all of a sudden, they're just going to come to it on their own. There's, at some point, we have to enter into the conversation. At some point, we have to, to make maybe that awkward, like, so what do you think about, you know, Jesus? And I think for a lot of us, we get so worried about, okay, how, how, do, how, do, how would I even do it? Where would I do it? When would I do it? I don't, ugh, it just feels weird. I don't know how to do it. Um, and I think about being on that hill, going as hard as we could, hour and a half, Keaton had his shirt off, and he was using it to beat flames down. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding you, he's running through this, a room this size, there's trees on fire, pushing trees over to make sure that they don't like continue getting bigger. I mean, we, we, we just went for it. We didn't really even have a plan. We, none of us had any experience fighting fires. <laughs> we just started like kicking dirt and like doing anything we could to put this thing out. Because we knew, man, if we don't get this thing put out, like we probably are going to go to jail. <laughs> like we don't, and so what I think is when the when or when the why is big enough, we'll figure out the how. When our reason why is big enough, we're going to figure out the how to do it. If you genuinely love your neighbors, if you genuinely love your friends, and that, that's a why that's big enough. And you're going to figure out, you're going to find a way to share Jesus. Last part of this, um, we need to realize the power is not in our presentation. I think sometimes we think, like, if I can get good enough at this, and don't get me wrong, there's, like, some people who are just gifted evangelists. You know, some people who at lunch will start talking to the waiter or waitress, and, like, they'll be crying by the end of the, the meal and be like, yes, this is what I want for my life. You know, there, there are those people, and there's gifted evangelists. But there, I think we think that, like, if I can come up with a good enough pitch, you know, if I can say all the right things in the right order and have all the right answers, that's what's going to do it. The power is not in, the, in our presentation. The power is in the gospel itself. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power, not our presentation of it. God has, has called us to share the good news, but it's him who does the work. It's him who transforms the hearts. It's him who draws them in. It's not how, how good I get at, at sharing Jesus. And I think that's really freeing once we begin to understand that. Um, the, one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump, um, also one of Kyle's favorite, yeah. See, I know you. Um, so one of my favorite movies, and there's this scene in the movie where uh, they're in Vietnam. He's in the army, he's in Vietnam, and bullets just start flying. And, uh, and they all have to retreat, and they all start running. And Forrest, of course, he can run. And so he just takes off running, and he runs and he runs, and he gets out of the jungle, and he gets into this clearing, and he stops and he realizes he's the only one. Like that all the other guys are still back in the jungle. That's where this video picks up. Bubba. 
Bubba was my best good friend. I had to make sure that he was okay. Multiple people did. A lot of those people are in this room. People were willing to go into battle to show me who Christ was. And sometimes I was kicking and screaming, and sometimes I, I acted like I didn't want the help, that I didn't want any part of it. But they grabbed me, and they threw me on their shoulders, and they took me along with them. That's what it is to share Jesus with someone. To go run into the battle on behalf of our friends and our family. That's the mission that we're called to. That's the mission that Paul was a part of and that he's calling us to be a part of. Uh, as the band comes back up, we're going to go into communion. And when we take communion, what we're doing is we remember what Jesus has done. 
remember that God loved us so much that he didn't leave us where we were. That God ran in, was the first one to run in. It's the first one to lay down his life for us. So when we take the bread, what, what we're doing is remembering that God's body was broken for us. And when we drink the, the juice, we remember that God's blood was shed so that our blood didn't have to be shed. So as we do that, I just want you to think about the person maybe that that brought you out of the jungle, the person that, that shared this with you for the first time. And remember what Jesus has done in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that uh, you didn't leave us the way we were, to our own devices, to our own uh, brokenness, Lord, that you loved us enough to send your son, not into a, a possible death, but a for sure one, knowing that he would die in our place, that he would take the penalty that we deserve. I, I pray that we would learn to lay down our lives like that for those around us. That we wouldn't be ashamed of, of what you've done in our lives. That we would share uh, with the people around us. We would be on this mission with you. Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you show your love to us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.